0: Well, I'm delighted to say that uh, joining me on this new series of the Godcast is Pat McGibbon. Now, Pat is a former professional footballer who played uh, for numerous clubs, but among them Manchester United and and Wigan Athletic and also uh, won honours for Northern Ireland. Um, But more recently, he's been uh, working in the field of of mental health support. We'll we'll talk about that. So, Pat, brilliant to get you on the Godcast. How are you doing?
1: Yeah, I'm great, Alex. Thank you. And, and thanks for the invitation.
0: Where where are you, Pat? You've got a, a lovely, rich uh, Northern Ireland accent. There is Northern Ireland home now, or yeah. So I
1: I basically and the and the family moved back in in two thousand and two. I'd finished my contract with with Wigan Athletic at the time. Um, it was one of those I suppose those difficult stages. I think ITB Digital had had collapsed in terms of the the lower leagues at that stage. Um, I'd went. And I was actually on Scunthorpe on loan for a little while, at the end of the, the 2001 2002 season, and then I, I was I was offered a, a short term contract at Tranmere, but also offered a couple of um deals back at home in, in Northern Ireland. So, um, I just finished the physio degree at that stage, so I decided the the you know to, to make roots again back home, and um, so since 2002 I've been back home with with Out, my wife and. And obviously, with three kids now who are are growing up very quickly.
0: Yeah, well, I've got three kids as well, so you have my sympathies. <laughs> um, Pat, um, can can I ask you when when you reflect on your football career, how do how do you reflect on it? Is it one of of uh, satisfaction, is it is it one of uh, missed opportunities? What 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 would you say? I would say,
1: look, look, I mean. Growing up as a, as a child, I, I was very fortunate. I lived out, out in the country. We, we, had, we had a big garden and, and we had goals there. And from from a very young age, I just wanted to, to play football. So when I got the opportunity at 18 to, to, to get paid for something I loved doing, it wouldn't matter if it had been Arkington stanley or Manchester United. That that was just my goal and my dream. Um, So I got the opportunity for for going on 11 years to to actually make a living. It's something I love doing. Uh, So I can only really say it as that. I I appreciate everything that happened. It's only now, I suppose, when you reflect back on it that that you realise. And and sometimes, especially as a professional footballer, you, you end up a lot of the time, I suppose, just always constantly going forward and, and looking at the next game, even, you know, if you lose then you're straight on to the next game and it's, it's constant. So you don't get a lot of time for reflection. So it's only now that, you know, when I look back at some of the, the memories that I realise, you know, how you know how how, how lucky I was.
0: Yeah. Did, did you uh, make the move to Manchester quite well, Pat? I, I was talking to Trevor Stephen, who, who joined Burnley from Berwick and, and Burnley's not a big place but it felt very big coming from a place like Berwick moving to uh, a city like Manchester was it easy for you, for you, for you to adapt or did you struggle with homesickness how how was it
1: yeah look it it, it was it was quite difficult you're, you're you're moving back or you're moving away from your friends set, um you know your family's that back at home so you you have to sort of settle into all of that no, I was very lucky in that the the landlady that I went to was was really really good Brenda Gosling um God rest her. she she made me feel at home and uh, very quickly but it still te- it still takes time and certainly you know that first 12 months w- was difficult um and I suppose having a few of the other lads within digs like the like Keith Gillespie, Robbie Savage. You know, Gary Twain and Kevin Pilkington. you know, it, it, it helps you to settle because you've got friends both, you know, on the pitch and off the pitch as well. But it was it was a it was a difficult enough transition.
0: Yeah. And, and who were the uh, significant coaches for you in that in that early formation as a professional? Pat? Who, who were the the ones that stood out for you?
1: Well, the ones, you know, whenever I first went over to Manchester United as, as an 18-year-old, obviously I was transitioning between the A team and the reserve team. So, you know, between Jim Ryan with the reserves in that first year, but I suppose more importantly, even Eric Harrison, I, I thought Eric, as well as obviously we trained in the mornings with the reserves, but... As well as that, I would have actually went down and trained with the youth team quite a, quite a bit as well in the, the afternoons. Eric let me train with them, and and Derek was you know he was old school, but you know he he taught some really really strong lessons. You know. So
0: in, regarding this the senior management of the club at United, Pat, you know obviously Sir Alex was he was he involved with you in from an early age? You know, were you kind of. On his radar, you know, would he have similar conversations with you guys, who were in that that development period, as well as the first team, or was was it um, kind of a thing at a distance that would occur?
1: No, I I think he he was very good with with the, the young lads, you know, both the apprentices and the, and the, the young pros. Um, you know, you only have to look at it with with that group that came through in terms of of the class of ninety two and the, and and the fact that. I always say, it as, as as much as he was obviously a terrifically successful manager, I think he was almost like a, a father to the, the young lads in particular. Um so it didn't happen very often, but if you ever, you know, needed a bit of advice, it was just a matter of knocking the door, you know, and and, and that was the great thing about it.
0: And as you're and as you're waiting for an opportunity um, th- there's two things I want to talk to. If that's about, about about mental health, what what was it like for you mentally? You know, just because um, you were at United quite a long time. Was it was it five years you were there, Pat? Was oh, I
1: was it- there five years. Yeah, yeah. And I went over a little bit older than than most of, of the lads that would have went across. You know, so the likes to keep Colin Murdoch, the lads like that. They went over at 16 years of age. I had finished my A levels as probably, you know, a little bit more mature in the 18 and 19 and and then had five really good years and and good educational years at at Manchester United.
0: And 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 seeing people develop and evolve and getting their first opportunities, did, did that affect your your mental well-being in any way or 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 did it make you more determined? How did you how did you deal with the you know not really getting that 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 Chance at
1: the first team. Yeah, well, it, it, I always, you know, I've I've always seen life as a as a learning experience, you know, from a very young age. Always, as well as having, I suppose the the football and the sporting side of me, always had a bit of education about me as well. So, as I say, I'd finished my L levels um, before I headed across. And, you know, w- when you play football, you know, as you say, you're going to have good days, bad days, but it's about taking it, you know, as a learning experience. And even when you get to that level at, at Manchester United, yeah. you know, you're yeah. you're constantly having to try and strive. But I always was, was interested in watching the, you know, the first team pros and how they reacted to things. And, you know, sometimes things don't necessarily turn out in terms of, you know, my debut at Manchester United, and that was a very difficult one. But because of what, you know, what happened, I suppose, we, which we'll speak about in terms of my brother's death through suicide, it put things into perspective as well. So, um, and I only ever see life as, as an education.
0: Yeah. And, and and talking about your your brother, Pat, you, you how old were you when your brother died? Were, were you, you were only a young guy, weren't you?
1: Yeah, so it was only it was, I was only about eight months into my me going over to don Trafford at the time. So, as we mentioned earlier, you know the, you've still the the homesickness and transition to to deal with. So then having another, you know, abnormal stressor like a tragedy like my brother's death, and and obviously Philip wasn't just my brother; he's my best friend as well. So. It it was it was a very difficult time and and something that I suppose football gave me a platform and a focus during that time you know and and more than anything a level of stability and that's why you know I'm very thankful to the the five years I had at Manchester United and also the five years I had at Wigan Athletic where there was a great fabric to it as well
0: yeah and if you're all right to talk about your brother Pat were you were there any warning signs. Uh, about Philip's mental condition were, were you anxious about him before uh, you know was that was there any illness that was evident
1: no there, there wasn't anything that really stood out at the time as I said like I, I'd been over there eight months you know and, and maybe if I had a been around then I, I may have noticed things but you know, unfortunately, and this is why even with the charity that it the, the found a train to be smart with our our slogan is it's smart to talk, you know, unless um you know, unless he speaks about the problems that you know, and, and dealing with this now in terms of, you know, that there has to be a level of trust and sometimes even your closest it's difficult to go to. So um there was no real signs.
0: No. And and again, just thinking about the the mental health aspect of this, Pat. If you're happy to talk about it, what what did his death do to you? I mean, you know, I, I've dealt with numerous aspects of grief in, in my job, but but suicide is is one where you just don't really get the answers. Did you did you really struggle with that for a while, or did you, or have you even now still uh, struggled to come to terms with with what happened?
1: Yeah, it, it it was one of those where after after obviously going back for the work and the funeral, um, the the, the gaffer told us to, to take as much time as I needed. you know it was in April of of nineteen ninety three, so there was only maybe a month of the, the season left, and I was still transitioning the satlin in in Manchester at the time. So, um, but what I found was that you know my friends had moved on in terms of either going to university or starting work, which meant, you know, me sitting about the, the house and staying for that period of time was not going to do anything for my mental health. So I headed back to Manchester, you know, within the, 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 the next week or, or two. And um, so probably I didn't properly grieve in what went on. And it was only really when I came back home in 2002. And, and obviously we had, quite a few stressors as it was and that that with six high moves which are obviously abnormal stressors and 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 then i started to see sort of triggers of the family home and these were things that i hadn't seen for 11 years and all of a sudden the, the memories you know started to get back and then the you know the the questions start to, to be asked and you start to i suppose go through the, the grieving process um as, as i mentioned to you earlier you know education's huge for me but even even though i did a physio degree while i was still playing um the physio was quite clinical whereas once i did the the mental health and well being diploma which which then brought i suppose linked the physical to the mental and emotional health Um, it gave me much more clarity and and, and i have to say it's why i'm so passionate about what i do now and, and getting out to schools with children and young people and and I suppose giving them practical advice in terms of you know the 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 normal stressors of life as opposed to you know the the more abnormal stressors which hit me, and and as you mentioned that grievance process was much further down the line, you know, so that was really coming back two thousand and two and beyond that that grievance process really started.
0: Yeah, I think I think it's really um, important to to acknowledge that as well, Pat. That it that it. it it took a long period and then all of a sudden you're, you're faced with it. And I, and, and I, and I think that's not uncommon um, with, with, with death. Did you seek help then when, when that happened or did you, uh, you know, I'm just trying to cast my mind back to the late nineties, you know, I think we've come quite a long way with mental health support, haven't we? I was wondering whether, whether the, the clubs, you know, like now that a lot of the clubs have chaplains or they have support staff for the young guys. What was it like for you in, in that football environment, firstly, firstly? And did you have to go outside of that, that football environment to get the help that you felt you required? I think
1: it, certainly whenever I went went back to, to Manchester United um, after the, the funeral, we, we had a chaplain at Manchester United, so we are actually quite proactive. And I, I spoke to him a couple of times. But um, as I said, I didn't realise how important it was to speak, you know, especially on a on a fairly regular basis, you know, because it's I, I know the I always say that, you know, the old the cliches, the, the, the reason that they've they've held the strength the, the test of time, you know, is because they work and it's that, you know, a problem shared is a problem halved. It's only really now, and as I said, once once I learnt more about you know that link between mental and emotional health and, and your physical health. And and I suppose I had a, a couple of lessons to learn, you know, when I came home within that, um, that it it it, it, it started to create a purpose again, you know, because going beyond the football inside of things and, and obviously with Philip's death also and 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 you know, in the last number of years it's been spoken about quite a lot. But even my purpose when I stopped playing professionally and you, you know, I went into the part-time professional game. All of a sudden, you know, used to being Pat William, the professional footballer, and all of a sudden you're yeah, that's the boy that used to play, you know. And it it's it's a difficult time, especially when you put and commit your all into it. Um so for a while, especially with the physio, which I thought, you know, was too clinical um, it was about trying to find purpose again, you know. And it's really now over these last number of years that I've really enjoyed that, you know, and, and I'm passionate about what I'm doing and and I find that purpose again.
0: Yeah, and and if I can ask you this as well, Pat. I mean, there's the physical well-being, and there's the mental uh, well-being. Can I, can I just ask you, uh, you know, this is the Godcast about the spiritual well-being as well, Pat. I, um, you know, you're you're from Northern Ireland, which uh, historically is a, you know, not not so much in recent years, but historically is a very religious uh, country. Um, were you a spiritual person before? Were you? A, have you been? Uh, re- has that remained with you, or has that that dem- that kind of that just changed over the years and because of what happened?
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's, it's spiritually I'm I'm still a very spiritual person and and of a very I suppose personal faith to a certain extent, you know, I think with with everything that has gone on, but I've 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 always held that, that faith and that hope and you know that, that things would get better and that that obviously, you know, even with the work that I do now with train to be smart, you know, as I said, um you know, Philip's my driver, within all of this, you know, every every day I wake up now, and it's it's you know it's so so important to me, you know. So I've I've always held that, you know, even even when I was over in um Manchester, I would have went to Mass on a regular basis, you know. That that is, I suppose, fallen away a bit, but not not to an extent where I haven't lost where I've lost my faith know that certainly that have held on to that even though it has been that has been very difficult at times uh, uh,
0: have you have you had, have you been challenged with that over the years and if so you know you know to, to other people challenge you you know i mean of, of, often i get as a priest is oh how how can you possibly believe when you know x y or z has happened but i mean if it's about you it's not about me but for me it's just it's just something inside that that feels right is is that the same for you or
1: yeah yeah pr- pretty much you know there's there's been certain things that have happened during the time especially since you know i find found a train to be smart and 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 there are things that that make me continue to believe and have a faith you know yeah. and it's it's you know those are obviously private things but you know the, the 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 things that i would say um really have i suppose resonated with me
0: yeah and,
1: you know, continue to, to 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 fill fill me with with passion to do the mental health related work.
0: Yeah, and just going back to the footy part, I, th- I suppose when you play for Man United, yeah. it becomes that every other club is you know doesn't matter. But I- I'd like to talk about Wigan Athletic because Wigan's not far from me in Burnley, and and I remember going to Wigan uh, back in the day when it I think it was Springfield Park, wasn't it? That's right. Where, yeah, where the terraces were, were were made of grass and. uh you know uh, uh, and you know it was very much traditional fourth division kind of cut up pitches and small attendances and toilets that stunk of wee and you know um but you were part of the kind of you were at the early stage of that revolution weren't you was was that was that good to be to be involved with
1: yeah well, look look it was a, it was a tremendous time when when i look back now especially you know it had it had been quite difficult and and Again, I would be quite philosophical when it comes to things, you know. Although people love to have a a chat and and, and bring up the the York City game at Manchester United in the debut, um, the 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 final year I suppose was more challenging because in ninety six ninety seven I had I'd, I'd played the pre-season games with with the first team. I was doing quite well, and um, the gaffer sent me out on loan then to the Swansea, but. I managed to, to play one game and then m- badly damaged my knee, so I was out for five and a half months in that final year. And then actually, I think I played a reserve match at, at Gigg Lane at Barry. Um, and after that game, John Dehan had been at the match, and and then at that stage, then they offered, you know, they asked me to go out on loan. So I, I'd just come back from injury. I was, you know, for the first couple of games, even even at Wigan Athletic on loan, I was. Still trying to get into things, but the more games I played, the more more I grew, and the more confidence I had. And obviously, you know, scoring the goal that helped Wigan get promoted against Colchester, um, was was something that that again you can only dream of, you know. So, um, I, I, again, it was a club with with a great fabric, you know. the, the gaffer at, at 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 United, it it wouldn't have mattered if you were a first team player, or you were working within the canteen, or you're working within the grind staff, or you're one of the apprentices. The gaffer fostered a real fabric where everybody got on. And it was pretty much the same at at, at Wigan Athletic from you know, from the moment I went in um, on loan and then obviously signed and, and stayed there for, for five productive years. Mm. So
0: was it was it difficult to leave United or or did you shake the cobwebs off quite quickly?
1: Yeah, I think because things had gone so well on on loan, and as well as obviously scoring that goal against Colchester, we obviously won the league that that year. Um, so, whenever I got the chance to sign, uh, I, you know, I went and had a chat with the gaffer, and you know, the thing about it is at Manchester United, you know, it's a great education, but there were so many terrific players, and that. Um, I just had really enjoyed playing competitively. And, you know, for my career, it was, it was about doing, you know, what I thought was best and playing competitive football and, and rather than, I know, you, you have to, to believe in yourself to a certain extent, you know, to play at a club like Manchester United, you have to have a real self-belief. Um, but I had just really enjoyed the experience at, at Wigan Athletic. And, and after speaking to the Gaffer, we, you know, I made that decision.
0: Yeah, and I, I was looking at your Wikipedia profile, Pat, because uh, you know I, I was keen to look at which managers you'd played for. And you know, it's easy to go, oh, there's Sir Alex, but you played for some some pretty famous names in football, didn't you? Just just share us some of the the differences and 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 the characters that you that you work with, and and maybe who stood out and why, besides Alex, of course.
1: Yeah, I mean, so I, I think I in the five years it was at Wigan, we had seven managers. So, the, the you know, the, the chairman, Mr. Whelan, I have to say, I, I, I got on great with Mr. Whelan, you know, he calls a spade a spade. But, you know, when it came to the business end of things, obviously, you know, he had seven managers in those five years that I was in. So, you know, you had Bruce Riach, obviously, you know, he brought Dennis Perkamp in, Darstill, you had John Deeham was the first manager that I had. John was a, was a great manager. Um, Obviously, Paul Jewell came in in the final year. You had Colin Greenall, who was an, an ex player and then took over for a short while. Obviously, Brucey, who did a, a great job, Brucey did a, a great job and it looked like he was going to get the, you know, or, or take the Wigan job on. And then I think he went to, to Crystal Palace, maybe instead at the last minute. Um, you know, so quite a few. Ray Mathias, Ray, Ray was again. Did really well with Wigan Athletic. You know, Ray was a great manager. He got on. He got on well with with, with players. Um, so I'd, I'd, I'd quite a few managers, and, and I suppose with with different attributes. So, um,
0: yeah. and was uh, was Roberto Martinez there with you at Wigan? Yeah.
1: So Roberto was a player, and and, and you know, I, I got on with great with Roberto and as he and that from the start. You know, there's real as as well as. Being a very very good footballer, R- Roberto was able to, you know, he, socially he was able to get on with people and and obviously he's moved into management as well in wish him Well, obviously at, at, with Portugal. So, um, but Roberto, um, some of the players that were there during that time. So obviously Michael O'Neill, now he's the Northern Ireland monitor. Michael was there in my the time there. Um, you know you've you've Scott Green, you've you've Paul Warren, who's who's obviously his manager Derby now, and Paul was there for a spell as well. Roy Carroll, you know, go through. We actually had a really really strong side when we were Wigan Athletic with a lot of players that played within the Premiership as well at some stage.
0: Yeah, with with Roberto, did it did it come as any surprise that he went into management? Was he a was he a leader in the dressing room? Was his instincts always to kind of take control of things? Yeah, look, I think he he,
1: he was a very intelligent, astute man, and you know he, he he read a lot, and you know anything that he I suppose put his mind to, he 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 would he would get to do, and that that it's great to see. And as I said, I had a great relationship with with, with Roberto, even you know we had my wife would have invited him up to the house and that, and he, you know it's great it's great to see. People, you know that you've you've played alongside, doing doing so well, and continuing to be involved within the game. And
0: and when you when you decide to call it a day, Pat, you I noticed you ventured in, you dabbled a little bit in managing. In this would be semi pro football, would it in Ireland or?
1: That's right. Yeah. So I was at I was at my local club, um, Lurgan Celtic. So whenever I I stopped playing, I, I went there and was player manager for a year, and then. I was invited to Monaghan United in the Aircom League down down south as assistant manager. Then went to Newry City and then finally with with Porta down, um as manager. So it was i whenever I finished playing, I I and I came back home, I started with my, my badges and my coaching badges. Um so I went right up to pro license when obviously given me the opportunity. Um I just found that the the state of, of of the clubs involved, um, the because I was used to the professionalism at times, it just didn't it didn't work, and and especially with the other parts of of, of what I was doing at the time as well, Alex, and that you know I'd find a train to be smart, and um, I was doing a lot of work surrounding mental health, and that and that was really my passion. So when it came to decision between you know giving up a job as a part-time professional manager within the league or, you know, keeping involved in what I'm doing with Train to Be Smart, um, there was only one winner.
0: Yeah. So, so tell us about Train to Be Smart, Pat. How is it set up? What does it do? Who's it aimed at?
1: Yeah, so Train to Be Smart is, is, is a charity which promotes positive mental health and basically builds resilience in children and young people through sport and activity. So as well as affiliated teams, I would go out into schools and, and, and give that message, especially that, you know, it's smart to talk message where, you know, the smart stance for sharing my anxieties relieves tension. And I think it's a really strong message because, you know, as much as, you know, sometimes we can, we can have, you know, warning signs or something that when you look back on, to actually, have that strength to be prepared to, to speak up about your own mental health issues is is the starting point, you know. So um, so we, as I say, we do we go into schools. I go in and do workshops within clubs. I also work with other mental health groups. So I work with MindWise and Mental Health UK, um, Inspire in Northern Ireland, and uh, to do various mental health related programs. And I, I, you know, it, it's so needed at the moment and you know, I, I suppose what the way I would explain it is it's more about unsticking the stock. You know, when when it comes to I suppose more professional help in terms of counselling, we we are more about, you know, unsticking the stock and giving uh practical help within that. And I, I, I really, really am passionate about what I do and and, and I think it's um at the moment where we're pushing towards a facility which will work alongside a, a local primary school to, to give children that platform and those practical skills early on so that they don't get to that stage or hopefully don't get to that stage where they need more professional support.
0: I'm really interested in what you said there about unsticking the stock. How how, how do you go about doing that, Pat? Particularly you know, kind of when you were talking there, I was thinking, gosh... You know, it, it's quite difficult. You know, you know, I predominantly deal with with adults um, going through mental health anxieties. When it when it's a younger person, particularly teenagers, it, it's a bit. You know, I guess it's a huge stigma for them for them to put the hand up and say, "Look, I'm I'm struggling." How, how do you unstick that stuck? It, it must be quite difficult at times.
1: It is, yeah, yeah, and the, and this is the thing. Even with with some of the the methods that I would use within um. The workshops, a, a lot of it is is introducing things such as you know deep breathing techniques and and the, the whole thing surrounding um, education again, you know, and as you mentioned, you know, spur spirituality is, is part of that as well, and it's it's I suppose breaking it down into smaller steps. So we have we scenarios, case studies, sharing experiences as much as anything, Alex, which is yeah. you know is a really powerful one.
0: Of shared lived experiences, yeah. Um, I don't, I don't want to get political, Pat, but but I'm interested to know your thoughts. Uh, um, I don't know if you know Cathy MacAuley, who's who's based in Northern Ireland, who's a, uh, who who does uh, martial arts and does lots of works in in Belfast with the the kids. But recent recently, we had the Prime Minister, and again, this is not political, but the Prime Minister talked about this this kind of uh concept around. Uh, you know, getting kids uh, into mathematics till 18. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of that. I kind of see a more uh, different route for lots of kids. And some of these kids just aren't wired for academia. Do you find that um, the, the benefits of sport are significant enough to say, look, you know, we need to actually think about this a bit? bit more widely a bit more sensitively you know some people just aren't wired for certain activities and and I I see the value not just with with fitness and sport but music and and the arts and things like that I was just just wondering if you had a a thought on that Pat.
1: Yeah look I mean again I I would do quite a bit um, in terms of workshops and, and public speaking about this and you know when when I speak to children and young people they'll say you know the phrase don't don't judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree. And and this is the thing when it comes to um even even with, with football and, and obviously we mentioned about Chris Chris Casper and, and Casper's a center half partner of mine. And and whenever you're playing, you, a lot of the time you're you're practically problem solving and you're prioritizing decisions. And that's why I think sport is such a, a great medium for that. And it's not to say that all you know that everyone will become professional sports people, but actually giving them the platform, whether that's within the arts, within music, within sports, and giving them the opportunity, to, uh, to, you know, to, to find their passion and focus on it. I don't think it's all about just the maths, because the, 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 the biggest one for me is, is I've, I've often said this, you know, statistics can be manipulated and misinterpreted, you know, and it's only once you actually get to know people that that and that's so so important because you know I, I I see it so often that especially in professional football and you know where it's all about the business end and because it's a business end as soon as that as I said even towards the end of my career you you, you started to feel like a piece of meat now it might not have been the way that it was for the club but you starting to feel like that as well because you know your your career is. It's short-lived. You don't, you know, as a professional footballer, you don't have a really long span. So I think it's important to to recognise the person, not just the player. And it's the same within education generally. You know, it's about finding those skill sets, and I suppose educating through the skill sets that they find um, easier to pick up. And not everybody's going to be a mathematician and, you know, not everybody's going to be a, a professional sports person, but it's finding, you know, finding what their purpose is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Pat, I've really it's flown by this this podcast. I've loved chatting to you about your career and, and your work in mental health. Just just uh, bringing things right up to date and looking at your, your two significant respective clubs, United seem to have turned a corner and you will have been delighted with, uh, the recent win in the derby, even though it was offside, <laughs> um, and, and Wigan on the other hand are in a real battle, aren't they? Uh, where they've they've got rid of uh, Liam Richardson, who was uh, formerly with Aki Stanley, who around these parts, and um, and Colo Torres there now. Do, do you just a comment on both, really, Pat? You know, do you think United are going to be pushing right to the end, and and do you do you see Wigan getting out of this trouble they're in?
1: Certainly from what I've seen in, the, in the, the last few games in particular, I think um, there's no, no doubt that, that there's been a, a positive shift at Manchester United. You know, it was always going to be a difficult game on, on Saturday, but um, there's no doubt some of, some of the, the acquisitions that they've brought in, you know, I think Casemiro uh, uh, is quality, absolutely quality. But, uh, you know, generally, I think that there's definitely been a positive shift there. Um, so I expect them to be, yeah, certainly at the, at the very top end come the, the end of the season. Um, with Wigan Athletic, I ha- have to say I was was disappointed to see Liam go. It, you know, he did such a great job um, in, in getting promotion. And I don't think there was an awful lot of, I suppose, money spent. And whether that was, you know, I, I obviously you don't know the ins and outs of that. But... um. I think Liam did a terrific job, so it's disappointing to see Wigan where they are at the minute. But hopefully, you know, before the season's out, they'll get we get enough points just to to get them out of that bottom three. And and it's uh, I mean, it's hard, hard, hard to watch when it's it's been a yo yo for for Wigan Athletic in particular. I went over with with my family to the FA Cup final in 2013, where they beat Man City and was at Wembley for that game. And, you know, for a club like Wigan Athletic and, you know, thinking back to Springfield Park and those cold Saturdays and Tuesday nights and, and all of a sudden win an FA Cup, and it's a dream come true both mm-hmm. for the club and and obviously for the chairman with the amount of of effort that he put in as well.
0: Mm. And just finally on my club, Pat Burnley, they're, they're flying high. I mean... It's a bit of a revolution under under uh, Vincent Company. You've been impressed with what you've seen?
1: Yeah, I haven't seen a, a lot of, of the Burnley games, but certainly, you know, the, all the talk has been, you know, the, the change that, that Vincent has made. And, and it's great to see. I mean, we always even, you know, the the, the local Derby games, when you played your Prestons and played Burnleys, so at, at Wigan Athletic was great. And... and Obviously, um, Ian Wright Ian made his, his debut against myself and Wigan Athletic a long, long time ago. So you know, it, it was always a, a you know a very positive place. You could you could tell when you were at Turf Moor that that you were always up for a game and and it's great great to see them doing well. And and I I love to see all the Northwest teams do well because I, I love my time and those are what the guts of eleven years and and the Northwest and and love the time with the people there.
0: That's great to hear, and and uh, one of our, one of my all-time Burnley heroes is a guy I'm sure you know, Billy Hamilton, who is a yeah. wonderful striker who who scored in in Spain. Was it eighty two? Was it eighty
1: two? Yeah, uh huh,
0: yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah he's uh, he he was always one of my heroes. So there we are, Pat. I've loved chatting to you. Thanks ever so much for coming on, and uh, we wish you well with with your charity. Is, is there a is there a, a Facebook page or any links to it if people want to take a look?
1: Yeah, so the, the, the Facebook page is, is just train, train to be smart. So that's train number two, be smart. um, And the, the website is www.traintobesmart.com.
0: Brilliant. Well, Pat, thanks ever so much. All the best with everything. And uh, you're in a lovely part of the world. And uh, thanks so much for coming on the Godcast. Thank you.
1: Okay, th- thanks a million, Alex. Thank
0: you. Brilliant. Pat? Perfect. I don't even need to edit it. I can just upload it. It's just really interesting. And uh, yeah, we have, we have a lot of mental health issues around here and, um, but mainly homeless guys and and girls as well, walking into church and, you know, it's, it's quite a desperate situation at the minute. Um, And I don't really know what the answers are.
1: I know know that this is the thing. I mean, I, I have found a lot of solace in, and I suppose the simple things in life, there's a, a local.